This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. All right, Nick, I'm going to give you two chances. You're a District 61 graduate. You're a Millican graduate. Do you know anything about Parsons' namesake? Oh, no, no, that's a I no. don't. Just they don't told it. us last time they were on here. I know, but I, I'm gonna. they had a nice event last night. We'll tell you all about it. There's still family here, which I didn't know, uh, but uh, great history. Uh, and, you know, there's generally, uh, if you look at a school and there's a name attached to it, and if you're of a certain age, you may not know uh, the story of how all of it transpired, but uh, we'll tell you all about it here with the, uh, the DPS uh, 61 Spotlight. It's uh, a lot of fun. Uh, all right, so... Let's start uh, with, you know, uh, do most of your teachers and students know the history? No, and that's why we... Pull that up just a little bit if you don't mind. There we go. Sorry about that. That's okay. No, that's part of the reason why we held this event. This month we are focusing on, it's Black History Month, and so this month we called it Founders Month, and our theme was You Can Be First because Judge Parsons was the first federal circuit court judge in the United African-American circuit court judge in in the United United States States of America. And he served in Chicago. Um, But our students don't know about Judge Parsons. A lot of the community doesn't know about Judge Parsons. I I would, uh, I think that's true. I wouldn't put it on the kids. They're too young. It's it's our responsibility (laughs) to know. Uh, Appointed by John F. Kennedy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, and and he uh, wasn't from Decatur originally, but ended up here uh, at Millican University and and is buried here uh, and still has family. Yes, Bobby Parsons, his great niece is still in the area, and her son, Kenyatta, came last night to our our event and spoke about Judge Parsons, read a bit of his speech, and... And when you get, if you ever get the opportunity to do research, he had a lot of great things to say about education that we're still facing in education. And it was 56 years ago that yeah, those words were crazy, said. Crazy, right? It uh, is, yeah. Just, just everything remains the same. Uh, all right. So, uh, uh, Ms. Kitson, uh, I always like, Denise always sends me this stuff and I feel like I'm back in grade school, right? You know, uh, 1967 yes. uh, was when the school opened. Yes. So, um, people, I, I think, have a nostalgia about a time and they they don't realize I mean, that was a very long time ago it was a very long time ago and uh you know i'd been on this earth all of about you know 10 months uh so it is a long long time ago uh, how do you operate you, you know when you're you're dealing with old bricks and mortar and buildings we talk about this all the time new schools and what you can do i mean it's it's not the bricks and the mortar that make the difference although it right. certainly can be a much more creative atmosphere i mean you look at the way we, we were talking about the new school that's coming and how it almost looks like a community college campus and right. things have changed in the classrooms but it really is the folks you have in here today right yeah. that are the heart and the soul uh, of whether a kid gets a great experience yes or not. absolutely our teachers make the difference and and i can say for even an older building our staff make a difference the people who are taking care of our buildings. They go above and beyond. You know, yeah. And, you know, one of our visitors last night was uh, Mark Rankin, and he was a custodian for us for 35 years. Parsons was his second home. Yeah. You know, so he, our building, as far as, like, the bricks and mortar of our building has been well taken care of. We have the usual plumbing issues sometimes for a 57-year-old building, but we it's been really maintained and really taken care of and really loved you yeah. know, by the community and the staff and the teachers who have been at Parsons. All right, we'll introduce uh, your two fourth-grade teachers oh. you have here with us today. I have Kaylin Brock. When we were out in the fall, I brought these young ladies, yeah. but the, Kaylin Brock is a first-year teacher here at Parsons, and Catherine Rogers is a third fourth year 
third year teacher at Parsons, but she's been a teacher for seven years. So she's a little bit of a veteran. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about you know, what, what is the, the learning curve on becoming a really good teacher? I mean, what what do you know year two that you didn't know year one? And what do you know, you know, seven years in that you didn't know at the beginning? Um, the first year you are never going to come in knowing everything and learning to be humble and and ask the questions and not be afraid to get that support that you need is everything. Um, but going into year two, I, I think it was just really um, eye opening to me the difference that strong relationships with our students really make. Um, once you have that uh, relationships with the students, classroom management becomes so much easier. And you can really dig into the academics and making that huge um, academic difference once you build a strong foundation within your classroom with those relationships. All right. We, we just got done with the Super Bowl. I'll, I'll give you a football analogy and you tell me if this sounds right. You know, when quarterbacks come into the league, it's so fast and, and they don't know what to do. But what they learn is to slow down the game in their mind and they get to see the pieces. Is that a, kind of an equivalent of like, because you're leading, you know, a team? Absolutely. That is spot on all right so what, what's it like today i mean we we get i think there's the perception of public education there's the perception of everything and then there's the day-to-day -day grind you know like you're there in it i mean i'm assuming most of your days are great i'm, I'm sure you have days where you go home and want to pull your hair out but most of the days are just you with the kids making a difference there are absolutely days where you go home and you're like what what am i doing yeah. <laughs> but day to day I work really hard to build those strong relationships with my students, and we work a lot on routines and procedures. They they know what's expected of them. They'll be the first to say, when Ms. Rogers says we're learning, we we better get to learning. Um, so we we do a lot of really fun activities in the in the classroom to make sure that they're engaged and they're having fun with their learning so that they want to come to school. They want to learn. They they want to grow. All right. Caitlin, you were last with us right at the beginning, kind of deer in the headlights. Uh, yeah. Now your second semester. What have you learned? Uh, so much. I feel like I've been teaching for 12 years since the last time I was here. <laughs> right? um, mainly just like Catherine said, just building stronger relationships with my kids. I feel like coming in after Christmas break, it's a lot less of the stress of, oh my gosh, I have to fit in all this stuff yeah. um, every single day and make sure we get to all the all the checkpoints are made throughout like the school day and more so just meeting the kids where they're at and being able to work in small groups and um, improve on what they're working on rather than trying to rush them so bad and try and fit everything in and just meet them where they're at. All right, Holly, today, uh, in my opinion, outside looking in, teachers have to do so much more than they maybe had to do 25 years ago. Yeah. I mean, is that a fair assessment? Every day. Yeah. I mean, maybe in areas you're not even trained in, right? I mean, because Every you're dealing day. with all kinds of outside factors. Yeah. And uh, I, I, that's why I think when you see these young, new, dedicated teachers, I mean, they kind of know going in, it isn't the same as it used to be. But how do you support them? I think we offer, we make sure that when we do take in new teachers, that we have a strong grade level team, somebody in that team that they can go to. Um, Catherine is the veteran in her her grade level. Um, she and so she's taken the two newbies kind of under her wing, but also, you know, my AP and I try to get around the building. And I, I can say that Parsons truly is a community. 
So if Caitlin or any new teacher in our building needs something, there's <laughs> always an adult, another adult teacher yeah. that will step in and support, help. We have experts in math and experts, you know, everybody has an expertise. Sure. So and they're willing to share. And yeah. that's what it takes to build a strong, you know, teaching foundation. I can say that I've been at Parsons, this is my fourth year. Over each of these years, we've had a higher retention rate every year for teachers, mm -hmm. and we need to keep our teachers in our building. So last year we were at 80%, and I'm hoping to keep raise that this How year. important is that continuity? It's everything. It is really everything because I think you you get the lost in the deer headlights. You know, I'm like, what's what's happening when we bring in new teachers? But they're quickly taken into the fold, so I, we don't ever hesitate to take in a new teacher. I actually enjoy bringing in first year teachers because they can learn with a great group of people. So, all right, tell me about last night. Oh, big event. Yeah, I saw some uh, pictures online, I think, from the uh, Community Foundation uh, was there and others. Yep. We um, celebrated our Founders Day. So 56 years ago, Parsons Elementary was founded um, this month. I think the original grand opening was February 26th, but the official was February 17th for the opening. Um, but we had Bobby Parsons and her son came in last night and presented parts of Par Judge Parsons' initial speech. They spoke about the meaning of having the building, you know, remain named after him. The community learned a lot about Judge Parsons. We had drum circles in the music room and um, our brilliant boys um, art and culture club had their art show last night and Aramark provided us a wonderful buffet of um, multicultural snacks. It just was a really great evening full of people from the community, our families and it, lots of laughter, lots of smiles, and it was just a great night. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, it, it, you know, I, I didn't realize that he uh, he passed away in 1993. I would have guessed it would have been, mm -hmm. you know, earlier than that. Yeah. He's also uh, served uh, during World War II and was a director of one of the Navy bands. Uh, you know, it's like a yeah, well, really... he was one of the first African American directors of a Navy band. Yeah. So that's why our theme was "You Can Be First Too," because we want our children to know that no matter what you want to do you can be first at something no doubt about it how many people were there uh we had about 350 people there wow. last night yeah, yeah it was a big it was quite a few people a big event lots of people from the community you know that were came in to hadn't been in parsons in 30 years isn't that part of the problem yeah. you know when you're you know because we live in an older community demographically mm -hmm. and if you don't have a kid in a school or a grandkid you really don't have any reason in your day-to-day -day life to be there and so people are just left with the perception rather than actually being in the hallways to see it one of the reasons we do this every friday is to sort of share those stories and right. unless you had a connection to parsons i would in fact basically i would bet you you could stop most people on the street they couldn't even tell you where parsons is right i would agree yeah and that's not good or bad it's just sort of the, the way it is in life uh but it's great when you can bring folks from the community in yeah. to see that Yep, it was it was a great event and hearing their stories we had a gentleman um who visited and i think he works with the historical Decatur Historical Society, but he was a second grader when the building was opened. Okay. So him and Mr. Rankin, who was a fourth grader when the building opened at Parsons, they had just like listening to their stories and the conversation. So it was seeing a lot of community members catch up with each other, share stories about, you know, when they were in elementary school, we have a first grade teacher and there's a big, dis uh, an art 
installation in our library is she made one of those squares and she tells the kids i went here i made this square and this and it's a huge piece but it's just nice to see our community come together for something good for our kids and and just bring it together a little bit there's been a lot of as we know this the news isn't great these days so it's good to have well, I, a great I, evening. Yeah, I, I think that what you did last night is more proportionate to what the news is than what people think. I but agree. It, that, that's yeah. you know, a whole other story. Last time you were here, we talked about uh, mission and vision. Uh, walk me through some of the progress now that we're months later. I could pass that on to my teachers. Absolutely. But we're, we're on the road. It's growing. Um, in my classroom, we revisited our vision and mission, our ground rules and things when we came back from um, Christmas break as a way to refresh, um, reset going into the second half of the school year. Um, and the students still fully believe in the mission that they designed and are working towards that. They thought that our uh, ground rules needed some fine tuning. So we we went back through and got more specific with our ground rules to make sure that... Right, give me an example. I mean, I, I think if you're old enough to remember you know school was very structured and you know what the teacher says what the teacher said and today you know that's changed and, and kids learn in different ways and 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 you know I, I think bond in different ways and giving them a say so and not being afraid through the halfway point to adjust and shift that's very different in education today and I, I think it's a good thing I mean, I mean this old way of like there's only one way to do this mm -hmm. doesn't work right absolutely um, we talk a lot about growth with with the goals that we set and and things so to think that our um, ground rules and things should say, stay stagnant wouldn't jive with the mindset that we are trying to instill in our students. So we're always looking at our goals, looking at um, the way we do things, the procedures that we follow and adjusting where necessary and they're they're the ones following the procedures and rules and and it's it's their education and so i think that it's super um impactful to give them the empowerment to take control of that um within reason of course but well, well, yeah but but i mean that's you know people get stuck in like oh well, we used to do it this way i mean there's not a business out there that doesn't do exactly what you just said on a if not a daily weekly monthly basis you have to adjust right exactly and and i think by us giving the students the permission and the freedom to have us adjust will also translate into their um, future lives as productive citizens and of our community. All right, Caitlin, your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, within my classroom, even giving them a say-so in, we have behavior goals that are biweekly that we set all together, and they can choose what their goal should be, what their reward should be. And we do a teacher versus student kind of tally mark thing. And then attendance goals and all the different goals that we set within our classroom and they can choose. And that way it's like on the walls and they can see like, oh, my gosh, we've had, you know, however many absences. What do we need to change? And it's more so in their hands rather than just me constantly. And, and then, Holly, how do you uh, I mean, you got to have some structure. I mean, as a principal, I mean, but you'd but be surprised about how much structure the kids will ask for. Okay. You know, so at the beginning of the year when we adopted this, the classrooms are all doing this. So as a building, you know, as a building, I say, this is what the hallway should look like in right. the past. It's this is what the teachers decide. This is how we do the hallways. This is what the cafeteria should look like. This is what, you know, all these little pieces that we set ground rules for the building. 
but I actually, I went over the intercom and said, I need every classroom to send me two rules that they feel would make our building, like the hallways safe and passable, what the cafeteria should look like. And so when I got all of those, we kind of, we call it brainstorming, but I put all those sticky notes out and I shared with the kids and then we narrowed it down to four or five but the kids set them. So when we have an issue in the cafeteria, I can say, hey, you know, these are your own these rules. Are, these are rules yeah. you guys signed off on. You helped us set. And I need for you to be accountable for them and live up to them. And it, it just puts it in their hands a little bit more. And walking into classrooms and seeing walls where the kids are setting academic goals and behavior goals and they can tell you we're working on I have first graders who can say, you know, there's only three of us left that need to count to 120. And we've met our, you know, first grade, one of our first grade math standards. And it's just they're setting goals. And when we grow up, we all need to set goals. You want to get to the next level or the next step. We're teaching this from kindergarten. All right. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, all the noise about test scores. I mean, and, and so much of this is dictated by outside, you know, whether it's the federal government or the state board of education or whatever. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I think people will read a story and lose their minds about this. And then they find out the nuance. I, I mean, for, for instance, at Johns Hill, you know, the English is a second language school. Right. They have to take the test in English, even though it's the English is a second language school. So of course you're going to get, you know, skewed, uh, you know, information. How much of that today, you know, teaching to the test versus you guys being able to have the freedom to do what you do. That's still kind of a bureaucratic mess, right? I mean, not that you don't want standards. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, at Parsons, we have really focused, and I think it's the same at many schools. We got to get our kids caught up. You know, COVID hit absolutely. us hard. Our kids got behind. You know, they were behind before we started COVID, but it's it's that piece of now we're really behind. And so we do, like Catherine said, we focus on growth. And so we celebrate growth. We want our kids to set goals to increase their academic skills and we want, of, co of course, I want, you know, 80% of my kids at the 50th percentile on Fastbridge, and I want to be exceeding on IAR, but we're not going to get there until each of our kids gets there. And so we have to work within where they're at and get them to make sure that they are successful as they pass out of elementary school. But we're growing, and, and I would say that this year, kindergarten, first grade, new kiddos coming in, I think we'll see our bar, the bar go way up over the next couple of years. Appreciate you all. Thank you for what you do, and uh, congratulations on uh, last night. James Benton. Parsons. Look him up. All right. <laughs> You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.